1: Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Sean Azaro, the Senior Pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and then find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. 10. And today we continue in a series called Awake and it's all about the resurrection of Jesus. You can follow along with the notes and discussion questions for your own Bible study on the media page as seen at reallife.org. Now here's a thought if you're frustrated with this season in your world. If you keep doing what you're doing, then you're going to keep getting what you're getting. That's why we are all under construction, maturing in Christ, learning to enjoy Him along this thing called life. Today it's part two of a message called Under Construction. The Bible study begins now. Pastor Sean is teaching from 2 Corinthians 3 and also chapter 5. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio.
2: Listen to how Paul wrote Philippians 1.6. He's beginning his letter to the Philippians, and look what he says to them, just as an encouragement. And I am sure of this, that he, talking about the Lord, who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Did you know God had begun a good work in you? Entitled this message, Under Construction, because we, when we become followers of Jesus Christ, when his spirit is in us, God begins to do a work. He begins to build us. See, that's what the resurrected life does. The resurrected life awakens me to the reality that God is in me, and he's making me new. I want to suggest in this passage here, Paul exhibits five what I'll call signs, manifestations of spiritual maturity. Okay, Jot these down if you're taking notes. You want to know what spiritual maturity looks like? I think Paul exhibits, and in this passage, he gives us examples of these five milestones or signs, manifestations of spiritual maturity. The first is this. The spiritually mature have a passion to know Jesus. The spiritually mature have a passion to know Jesus. That's why Paul said, I've left everything behind for the greatness of knowing him. And that's why he, in that one section, stopped and said, that I may know him. That I may know Christ. I left everything else for this. It's not for, you know, the benefits that I'll get. It's not because I really like clean living. It's not any of that. Paul fell in love with Jesus. And his passion was to know Jesus. At the core, at the heart of a person who is growing spiritually, is this sense of understanding that I want to know him. You know, Jesus said in John 15, He's the vine, where the branches apart from Him, we can do nothing. It's something we were created for. The spiritually mature person has, or a maturing person has come to realize that and has this growing passion to know Him. I want to know him. I want to know his word. I want to know his direction. I want, I want to know what he has for my life. I want to know him. They're motivated to seek God, his will, his presence through Jesus Christ above all else. And and it's interesting with a mature person, you know, they never have to be spoon fed because they're hungry for more of Jesus. There's a thing you may may not be aware of this, um, but I'll let you into the kind of the, the dark little cesspool that is the life of a pastor. Um, one of the things that people will say about church or whatever, and you may have heard this before, they'll just talk about it, but maybe it's, it's often done in the, in the context of a pastor. And, um, you know, they'll say, you know, I'm just not being fed. I'm not being fed. And I understand what they're saying. And I understand some of we pastors do a terrible job of breaking open the Word of God and serving the bread. I get it. I know it. But what you never hear a spiritually mature person say is, I'm just not being fed because, you know what, they're a spiritually mature person. They've learned how to feed themselves. Ever had where your, you know, adult child comes into your house for a visit and says, I'm just not being fed. You're like, well get something to eat. <laughs> Can you just spoon feed me, please? <laughs> and you're just like, what's wrong with you? Get out of the high chair, pull off the bib, and feed yourself. Well, some Christians need to be told that. Then he'd be told, you know, you can feed yourself. It's called the word of God. It's called prayer. That's how we fellowship with father. And it is a hunger for him that draws us into his presence. I'm afraid sometimes when a person comes to church week after week after week and just sits, well, I'm just not being fed. I'm like, well, first of all, are are you really trying to sustain yourself spiritually off of one meal, one day a week? Try that physically and come back and see me. So you never sit alone and just fellowship with the Lord and you never crack the word of God on your own. You don't have a habit of daily feeding in the Word of God Well, yeah, no wonder you're 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 not hungry you're starving And spiritually mature people have this hunger for Jesus and it's not that they don't ever just go Okay, i'm not really wanting to sit down and read the word and do this. Okay, we all struggle with spiritual disciplines at times and I get it but if you never have this hunger to know what the Word says. You know, one of those things when we have life decisions, life directions, big things, our, as, a, as a follower of Jesus Christ, our first question should be, Lord, what do you think? And how do we answer that question? We ask Him in prayer, and then we go to the Word, and we ask for His guidance and His wisdom. You know, you're talking about career change, job change. Lord, what do you think? Give me your wisdom. talking about issues with our kids, wrestling through issues, our adult kids, our adult parents, and uh, all the stuff that we all deal with, we wrestle with, and we moan about to one another. Well, maybe we should go to him and say, Lord Jesus, what do you think? See, spiritually more more mature people have a passion to know him, to know his voice, to know what he would do, to know his heart, just to get to know him better. That's why Paul is so passionate about this idea. I want to know him. Look at what he wrote in 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. He's referring back to Moses. Remember when he had to put the veil on because he'd been in the Lord's presence and his face shone so much people go, turn it down, you know? And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. You want to know what spiritual maturity is? You want a definition of spiritual maturity? There it is, being like Jesus. His image. We are being transformed. His spirit is making us more like Jesus. I'm not talking about losing our individual personalities or our uniquenesses or the way God made us. No, no, he created us with that. That's his gift. I'm talking about the character and the nature of Jesus. We're being transformed. How? Contemplating the Lord's glory. Time in his presence. Knowing him. Listening for him. And we're being transformed into his image. His image. With ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is spirit. One of my favorite passages in Scripture is Acts chapter 4. Peter and John get in trouble for healing this crippled guy in the name of Jesus. Remember, the religious leaders drag him in, and they're kind of, they're all flustered because they thought, we got rid of Jesus, and now here it's cropping up again. Remember what it says? Remember one of the, the things it says? They looked at them, and they recognized them as having what? Having been with Jesus. How did they know? They're doing Jesus kind of things. When they were speaking to them, the way they were speaking, it's like, Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. we've seen this before. And I, I, I hope people can look at us and see that we've been with Jesus, kind of the family resemblance, the image of Jesus. I hope we can kind of become a chip off the old block, so to speak, spiritually, and let that leak out into our lives, how we interact, what we invest our lives in, all the stuff. Spiritually mature, have a passion to know Jesus. And that pathway to spiritual maturity is, because of that, paved with prayer and the word. Prayer in the Lord, spending time with Him, listening for Him, growing in Him. See, that's one of the key things about this resurrected life. It awakens me to the reality that God is in me and He is making me new. Second thing about the spiritually mature, the spiritually mature focus more on the inside than the outside. The spiritually mature focus more on the inside than the outside. And this is tough for us because we, have been, we live in a culture and we've picked up a nasty obsession with appearance. We're obsessed with appearance, how things appear. We want to appear mature. We want to appear wise. We want to appear together. I I want to challenge you with something. Quit worrying about how things appear. Let's focus a little more on how they actually are. You know where that stems from? Our obsession with how things appear is because we are obsessed with what people think of us. And all kinds of reasons. Poor self-image, habits, all the stuff, whatever. Pressure. But we are obsessed with what people think of it. That's one of the most dangerous, dangerous qualities and habits. And what this says, especially when it comes to religious things where we focus on appearing mature, it says we care more about what people think of us than about what God thinks of us. Because see, God, we were told in Scripture, man looks at the outward appearance, God looks at the heart. He knows what's really going on. Spiritually mature people get to a place where they go, you know what, I'm not going to worry so much about appearances. I'm going to worry about what's really happening on the inside. Remember what Jesus said about the Pharisees? See, We're not alone in this said about the Pharisees and the religious leaders, he said, he said, you're hypocrites. He said, oh, you polish up the outside of the cup. It's really shiny, bright. It's completely clean. He said, yet on the inside, it's dark. It's corrupted. It's dirty. And he says, it's what's on the inside that defiles a man, not what's on the outside. Spiritually mature people, I'm not saying that they don't, you know, they don't comb their hair and kind of worry about you know, looking presentable. What I'm saying is that they, they understand. Yeah, that's just a a secondary thing. That really the the key issues in life all stem from the inside. What God is doing on the inside and what he's transforming. Spiritually mature people focus more on the inside than the outside. See, that's why in, in religious circles we get this religious spirit. We get legalism you ever been in part of a church and so many people have run from church and go, I'll never go back because all it was was a bunch of rules, 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 rules. Do you know that's about the obsession with how things appear? One of the most damaging things we do, brand new believer in Christ, they get saved. First things we say is, oh, oh you've got to stop these three habits. You've got to stop smoking, got to stop drinking, this, 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 this. Because what we're teaching them is, oh, it's all about the outside, all about the outside. I'm not saying smoking is, is a good thing, right? If, if you're, 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 you know, you're smoking three packs a day. Uh, you just want, you know, I think God wants you to stop because he loves you and he likes you and he wants you to live. Okay. But what we start to communicate to people is, oh, you got to get cleaned up. You got to get dressed up. You got to, okay. Ah, now you're a shiny new Christian. And I believe God will clean up the outside, but it starts on the inside. We need to start on the inside. God will deal with it. God will deal with the harmful habits with the stuff that is hurting them or their testimony or their relationships or whatever. God will deal with it. We'll, in the course of growing and dealing with the inside, God, the Spirit is really faithful to bring that stuff up and to deal with it. But legalism is what says, oh, no, 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 it's how you cut your hair, it's what you dress, it's what you drink, what you eat, what you da, 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 da. And that's legalism. Spiritually mature people understand, yeah, that's not it. It's the inside. That's why the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, remember what it says in Galatians? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, meekness, and then self-control. Those are all inner things. That's what the Spirit is building in you. That's the produce of the Spirit. You know, I grew up in a tradition that said that the the evidence of being filled with the Spirit was that gift of speaking in tongues. And as I grew and studied the Word, I came to believe that I don't think that's what it is. I don't think the Word says that, that that's the evidence. Because another word for evidence is the fruit. And it actually says what the fruit of the Spirit. You want to know how to see a Spirit-filled believer? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faith, self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. And good news is, you remember that little list we went through? Boy, I wish I were more like this, more like this, more like this. Think about those internal things. You want to be more loving? Good news. One of the things the Spirit's going to do in you is it's going to cultivate love. You are going to become a more loving person. You are going to have better relationships. You want to become more joyful? Lord, I just want to be joyful. I see this one. They're so joyful. I want to be filled with joy. Good news. That's one of the fruit of the Spirit guess what? Here it is. You want more peace? You know what I'm going to say. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit. He wants to cultivate that in you. He's working that. That's part of what he's building you. The character and nature of Jesus is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. How about, you want more patience? And this one hurts even to say it. It's like, now you're stepping on toes, preacher. You're like, he's judging me. Eh, not so much. Because this is one where I kind of wince. Remember I told you last week, I'm always in a hurry. And it's like, I'm not even, I don't know anywhere, anywhere to go. Why am I in a hurry? I don't know, but I'm in a hurry. Right? Well, impatience is one of the symptoms, consequences of that. And sometimes I'm so impatient with stuff. I'm like, just calm down. Lord, give me your patience. Lord, you've exhibited so much patience towards me. Help me to walk in patience. Good news. That's one of the things the Spirit is working in you and in me. Spiritually mature people to focus more on the inside than on the outside because they understand that's how he's really making me new.
1: And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church, in this message called Under Construction, which is available right now on the media page at reallife.org, where there you can also find ways to plug in, find events for your family, and meet new people. And if this radio ministry has been a blessing to you, then let us know. Maybe even consider a gift to support this effort. Again, just go to reallife.org. And Pastor Sean Azaro, now an author, invites you to check out his brand new book. Podcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit filled life.
2: I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit.
1: Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit filled Life by Sean Zaro today at Amazon or Reaching for And now the conclusion to the message under construction.
2: This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. The, other thing, the spiritually mature are committed to truth. Committed to truth. And this is kind of obvious. That's what Paul's talking about. That's why, that's why he's so particular about it. They're committed to truth. That's why he attacks error so significantly, because truth matters. They're interested in seeking truth, speaking truth, and living truth. They're not people who say, well, I want to find truth that kind of fits into my life and kind of supports where I'm already at. No, no, they understand. Spiritually mature people say, there is truth. God created truth. God designed truth. He spoke truth. And I, my job is to align my life with the truth. Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's really significant to understand spiritually mature people focus on knowing the truth and living the truth. Because if knowing the truth is all there is, if knowing the truth is all there is, it's not enough. And in fact, it can be very dangerous. If you, all you do is live in an environment or kind of create a spiritual environment where you just take in more truth, 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 but you're never challenged to live it, the dangerous thing is you can begin to think the truth doesn't matter. Because it won't matter to you. Truth that is not lived out and applied is absolutely worthless. It's the same as error. But the minute you live it out, that's why Jesus said you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. There's far too many people in the church who are, who are full of truth in their head, but they've never let it set them free. That's where the power of God is. The minute you go from just kind of memorizing a scripture and going, well, that's nice, I'll put that in my file and I'll, I, I can recite that for anyone. The minute you move it from that file into the, okay, I better do something about this. I better now handle my money differently. I better handle my relationships differently. I better make a different decision about my future because of this truth, this truth. I got to act on it. The minute you act on it, we call it obedience. The power of God is released. And that's where the life is. That's where we're like, holy cow, this is real. So many Christians who struggle with belief because they've just sat soaked in truth, 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 but they never apply it. That's why in our community groups, one of the things we focus on, we work hard to focus on, is helping each other live the truth. We'll take the messages I teach or sometimes other topics of discussion, and then we'll say, okay, that's great. That's good truth. What are we going to do about it? How are we going to live this out, and how is it going to be different? Because that's where my character is changed. That's where, that's where I, it, this is hard. This step of obedience is difficult, but I wrestle with it. I trust the Lord. He gives me his strength, and I experience his power. Truth is a big deal. Mature people are honest about that. Mature people grow in Wisdom because of that. They're committed to truth because they understand God is in me and he's making me new. Number four, the spiritually mature are growing in humility. Spiritually mature are growing in humility. Um, I don't need to take a whole lot of time on this, but it is so important. You need to just stop. You need to listen. Some of you, maybe you need to hear this. Just, this is a great life principle. Humility is one of the coolest and most powerful forces in the universe. It can make any situation better. Think about it. Paul exhibited in how self-aware he was. He said, not that I've arrived. I press on. Not that I've obtained. I press on. You remember what Paul wrote? He said, wretched man that I am, who's going to save me from this flesh, from sin? Paul. And by the way, this is a guy who's writing scripture. God used him to do miracles, but he understood in humility. (laughs) Yeah, here's the character and nature of Jesus Christ, and here's me way back here somewhere. I, need to, I want to know him more. I want to grow. And he had a humility about him. See, humility is that accurate self-image before God. Humility causes people who are always growing and learning and pressing on. Humility is powerful. It is powerful. You know, in leadership circles, we talk about different capacities of leadership, how people have different capacities for leadership. And they'll just say, some people just only have so much capacity for leadership. And I know what they're talking about. Different people have natural abilities that help them lead. And some have more, some have less. I have this idea, though, with enough humility, I think any person can lead at a really high level. Because what humility will do for you if you're a leader is you will immediately understand all that you can't do, all that you don't know, and where you need help. And the person who is responsible and passionate about a mission or a vision, who is willing to ask for help and knows they need it, that's a person who can get a lot done. They're willing to let others do things because they go, I can't do that. That's not my thing. They need to let others grow and be leaders. They let others really be a part. I think that person can accomplish great things. A passion for that vision and that mission and a humility to say, you know what? It's not about me. Humility makes everything in your relationship with your spouse better. In the midst of a big fight with your spouse, humility. Take a step back, humility. And last thing, the spiritually mature always live life in community. They always live life in community. Community. Remember what he said. You've had my example. Follow. Look for others. Walk with others. Follow the example. They're never isolated. They choose their associations wisely. This is important because one of the sad realities in kind of cultural Christianity in in America, at least as I've experienced it, is there are a whole lot of people who get to a place where they think they're so smart and so mature and so wise they don't need the church anymore. And understand when I talk about the church, I'm not talking about church services. Talking about Christian community. Yes, gatherings and worshiping together and things like that are part of that. But I'm talking about the Christian community. Oh, I don't need that. I, I, I'm beyond that. Or that church isn't doing it right. And they start judging. and They start picking, picking little nitpicking at all the different churches and the pastors and the leaders. And they get in this mindset of, I, I, I'm, nobody does it as well as I do. I mean, they wouldn't say it that way, but that's really what they're modeling. And they sometimes pose as the most mature believers. Let me tell you, you see a Christian who lives in isolation because there's nobody really pure enough for them. That is not spiritual maturity. Key understanding of spiritual maturity is you cannot go it alone. You cannot go it alone. You need others. If I'm living in isolation, I'm not living in Christian community, who do I speak the truth in love to? And who speaks the truth in love to me? I've been blessed to be a part of some really cool Christian fellowships in in my lifetime really have. And I look back at church. Some people have horror stories about church, and they're mad. I I don't have any of that. Uh, Yes, I have some churches stranger than fiction stories. You know, (laughs) that would be a great book someday, but, you know, I I could tell you, you know, entertain you for hours with that. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about weird, goofy, blew it. Uh, Yes, we all have stories like that. I'm just saying there were also a lot of really great people who invested in me, and who took care of me, and who put up with me, when they probably didn't have to. But those wonderful people were not the ones who helped me grow the most. Most likely, do you know who it was? It was the pains in the butt. The pains in the butt are the ones who help you grow. You know, when it, when scripture says iron sharpens iron, does that sound like that's a peaceful, loving kind of lovey-dovey, huggy type of thing? No, it's the ones who annoy me and who something in their flesh brings out something in my flesh, and now I have an opportunity. Am I going to show grace or am I going to judge? Am I going to be patient or am I going to be impatient? Am I going to love, i.e., an unconditional commitment to an imperfect person? Or am I going to pack up my things, my Bible, criticize them on the way out and go find a more perfect place where I fit in? (laughs) Now, really, think think about it. Some people, they never dig in and live with a community long enough to really grow. It's like family. At least it's supposed to be family where you go, yeah, my uncle's nuts, but he's still my uncle. So, you know, it is what it is. My brother's crazy. Sure. So is yours. What is your brother? It is what it is. And we, you know, love each other. We duke it out. We hug afterwards. We try to just make the most of it. And in it, we grow. It's one of God's great tools for growth. In fact, this one's so important. We're actually going to talk about this next week. We're going to talk more about how Something about resurrected life awakens us to what God's doing in other people and how critical that is that we be a part of that and how we walk together in that. It's so important. See, the resurrected life awakens me to the reality that God is in me and he is making me new. Let me wrap up with this scripture that we kind of read earlier on. 2 Corinthians 5, beginning at verse 16. From now on, therefore we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer therefore if anyone is in christ he's a new creation the old has passed away behold the new has come he's talking about you and the big question we preachers got to ask ourselves is, what do i want them to do okay what do i want them to know what do i want them to do so what do i want you to do with this i want you to step up and commit to spiritual growth i want you and i to all understand it is not okay to stay the same year after year after year as a follower of jesus christ the scripture says we should be growing more like jesus So what I would ask of you is I would ask of you that you step up and say, I'm going to become a person who lets God do that work that he promised to complete in me. Let the spirit build the image and character of Jesus in me. Let me, let God make me more mature and let the good fruit of that maturity show in my life. I think if we do, we understand he wants to give us a new life, a new character, even a new name. I think our Christian experience will explode and our Christian community will explode with the life of Jesus Christ.
1: That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message called Under Construction in the Series Awake, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org, where there you can learn more about all the ministries, like the Private School River City Believers Academy, support and recovery groups. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page,